good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Jar. My name's Chris, and we're so glad you chose to hang out with us. If you didn't fill out this card, I want to encourage you to do so, uh, so you have the rest of the time uh, to do that. And for those of you on the stream, you can just go on your Jar app and do that as well. I really believe that volunteering is one of the best ways for God to be able to bless your life. He loves it when we serve him. He loves it when we serve other people. And so I really want to encourage you uh, to do that. And to kind of give you a little bit of perspective of what we're asking for is that this doesn't even start until April. So if you need like a few weeks to kind of like, ah, uh, I don't know, we'll train you, we'll get everything ready, and in April, we'll actually, you'll start. And we only ask you to volunteer once a month. So one time a month over three-month period of April, May, and June, and I know that you guys can do that. So uh, feel free uh, to continue to do so, uh, filling out your card or on the app as well. Now... Uh, how many of you, uh, as a kid, hoped that when you grew up that you would be rich? Anybody hoped, kind of be honest, those of you in the balcony, you grew up one day, you hoped that you would be rich. Um, I was the same way, and this is what I knew it meant to be rich. That if you were going to be rich, what you would do is you would live in a two-story house, you would have your own bedroom, because I had to share my bedroom with my brother Tim, and it was such a drag dude, and I hated it. And that you would have a pole barn in the back of your uh, yard where it was a half-court basketball inside that you could play year-round. And the reason why I knew that meant if you were rich is because a kid that lived close to us named J.R., he actually had a two-story house, his own room, and a pole barn that actually had a basketball court in it. And that, I knew, meant they were rich. And one day, I hoped I could be like him. Now... The only problem, though, with the rich line is, is that nobody really knows where it's at. For example, uh, there was a young uh, kid that I grew up with named John. We drove on the same bus. And the home that he lived in was a one-room trailer that had all of his family, his grandparents, his mom and dad, his kids. They all lived inside it. And when he came to our house, uh, which was 900 square feet, he walked in and the first thing that he said was, you're rich. And I remember feeling so embarrassed and, and thinking, no, 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 that's not me. And so I had to tell him, we're not rich. This isn't even our house. The church owns this house because my dad was a pastor. I said, the, the church owns this house. We don't even own it. My dad's a pastor. We are poor. We are so poor. You see, what happened in that is that the rich line moved, and all of a sudden now I was on the other side of that line. I have a feeling that for everyone who's here in the auditorium today and every single one of you on the stream right now, that if I would ask the question, do you consider yourselves rich? Almost every single one of you would say, no, not me. I, I, I'm not rich. 
And the reason is, is because it's very hard to determine where is the rich line. So before we go any further, what I'd like to do is kind of define what is rich. I mean, what is the rich line? Now, here's the truth about your income and your wealth when it's worldwide. That last year, if you made $1,225 for the entire year, you are in the top 50% of the wealthiest wage earners in the world. $1,225 for the entire year. I didn't say week. I didn't say month. For the entire year, worldwide, you're in the top 50% of the wealthiest people in the world. And if you made as a household $34,000, then you are in the top 1% of the wealthiest people in the world. You are. Now, what does that mean? If you made $34,000, you are in the top 1%. What that means for me, I'll say, is I'm rich. I'm rich. I'm rich. And guess what? You are rich too. You're rich. Most of you are very rich. In fact, I was thinking about it. The reality is, though, we just don't like to be told that. When we hear that word, you're rich, it kind of gets embarrassing. We're like, ah, no, no, no. Not me, but you are. You're rich people. And I'm going to talk to all of you rich people today. And for all of you on the stream, you're rich as well. Because when it comes to the world, when it comes to your income, compared to the rest of the world, you are rich. Now, I want to be sensitive to the fact that for some of you, you're going through a difficult financial struggle right now. Inflation is very high. There are things that are going on. You're struggling with something. You're hurting financially. I know for some of you, maybe you've had medical bills that have racked up and you weren't planning on it, but they have. And now all of a sudden you're trying to kind of climb out in the midst of that. I know for some of you, you're unemployed right now or you're underemployed. And there is a piece of you that you're struggling and you're agonizing over that. I know for some of you who are my heroes, single parents, you don't just work one job, but you work a couple of different jobs to be able to put food on the table to make it happen, and it's very difficult for some of you. And let me just say this, like our announcement said earlier, if you're struggling with finances or budgeting, I really want to encourage you to think about financial peace this Wednesday at 6 o'clock, because it can truly turn your life around. We're, we're doing this as a way to help you. The reason why I've always been so passionate about this is because Jennifer and I, at one point in our life, we were in great debt. And something like this helped us get out of it to where we could live in some freedom. And I want to encourage you and recommend that many of you would take a part of that. Now... I realize that some of you, especially on the screen right now, you're thinking, maybe I shouldn't watch today because I'm getting some pushback on the fact that I've said that you're rich. Because some of you are like, oh, no, 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 Chris, you don't understand. I'm not rich. But in comparison 
to the rest of the world, folks, you are very wealthy. And you are rich. I mean, think about it. Most of you are going to get in a vehicle and you're going to drive home to your climate-controlled home. You get to choose whatever temperature you want. Then you're going to watch the Super Bowl tonight. And many of you are going to pick up a phone and you're going to order a pepperoni pizza. And on that, you're going to get everything that you want to watch the Super Bowl. And you are going to then use your phone that has unlimited data to be able to get anything that you want. And I'm telling you, compared to the rest of the world, folks, you are rich. You're rich. Uh, Or at least let's put it this way. You're doing okay. Okay? Like, you're doing okay. Compared to the rest of the world, though, you're, you're rich. In fact, when you think of the 5 billion people in developing countries... When they look at people who are rich, this is how they describe rich people. They describe rich people this way. People who have a car. So if you have a car, you're in the top 3% of the entire world of the wealthiest people. That's what you are. You're rich. And this is what they say. Some of these rich people, they don't just have one car. They actually have two cars. They have a car for him, and they have a car for her. And do you know what these rich people do? This is what the developing world, 5 billion people, this is what they say. You know what these rich people do? They take their cars, and they put them in these things that look like houses. I mean, they're bigger than most of the houses of the world. And they put them in there and they keep them from all of the bad weather elements that they can be taken care of. It's just amazing. These people are so rich. And then they have these homes and these amazing homes that they have. And every once in a while, they have these homes that they have these things inside them called closets. And these closets, some of them are bigger than many of the homes in the world. And these people are so rich. You rich people are so rich. You walk into your closet and you take your hand and you just kind of push your clothes back and forth. And third world people will say, they're so rich that every once in a while as they do that, they'll look and they'll go, I absolutely have nothing to what? To where? I have nothing to where? Folks, every single one of us are rich compared to the rest of the world. And the reality is, why we don't want to say that we're rich is because for many of us, we're consuming every single thing we have. Everything that we get, we consume for ourselves and we live above our means or right at our means and we're like, well, I'm not rich. But it's just that you're consuming everything that you have. Now, God must have known that you and I would struggle with this whole area of being rich in what matters most. And so Paul, the guy who wrote close to half of the New Testament and is considered one of Jesus' closest friends and followers, said this to his mentee, Timothy. He said this, And to each of us who are rich, to you rich people, to be 
good at being rich. That's what he said. I want you to be good at being rich. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, he says this. Command those who are rich in this world not to be what? What's the next word? Arrogant. Not to be arrogant. Nor should they put their hope in what? Their wealth, which is uncertain, but to put their hope in who? Yeah, God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So here, what Paul says is that you should not be arrogant with what you have. In other words, you shouldn't be arrogant thinking that everything that you have is because of you. That you did everything to gain your wealth. He says, don't do that. Now, Jesus and God are not opposed to us having nice things. He's not saying that at all. It's just that ultimately we need to remember that everything comes from God. Everything. Every good thing, every possession that you have... Every single kind of wealth that you have is from God. Now, many of you have worked hard. You have actually invested well. You've saved well. But it's not from you. Everything that you have, everything that you possess, everything that I have, everything that I possess comes from God. So don't put your hope in wealth. Verse 18, Paul goes on to say, Command these rich people to do good, to be rich how? What's it say? To be rich in what? Good deeds. And to be generous and willing to actually share. In this way, you will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age and that they will take hold of the life that is truly life. Paul is kind of like, hey, if you want to help rich people, the way that you help rich people, Timothy, is to help them to be good at being rich. To make a difference, to be rich in what matters most. Now, folks, as I said, uh, for each of you, you are rich. And I've got some Good news and bad news for all of you rich people, okay? Uh, do you want to hear the good news first or you want to hear the bad news first? Good, right? Like we've had bad news for like two years, right? Like everything's been bad for two years. So let me give you some good news. Here's the good news today for each of you and those of you on the stream as well. Here's the good news. You are rich. Go ahead. That's your first fill-in. Some of you are like... Yes, I finally arrived. You're rich. You are rich. That's the good news. God has blessed almost every single one of you actually with more than you need. You are rich. Compared to the rest of the world, you are filthy, stinking rich. You're so rich. Now, for the bad news. I got bad news too. And the bad news is this, you're rich. 
The good news is you are rich. The bad news is you are rich. It's one of the greatest spiritual disadvantages that we have as Americans is that we're rich. One day a rich guy came up to Jesus and he said, hey, I want to follow you. And Jesus said, okay. And he said, no, 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 I I want to know, what can I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, well, obey all the commandments. And he said, I've already done that. I've done everything. And then the scripture says that Jesus looked at him with love. He looked at him and he loved him. And Jesus said these words, go and sell your possessions and give them to the poor and then come and follow me. Now, what's interesting about this particular story is this is the only place in all of Scripture where Jesus ever says these words. Now, I want you to know this, that Jesus is not and God is not opposed to you and I having nice things. He is not opposed to us having nice Nice things. Not at all. In fact, if you look at all of Scripture, what you'll find is that there is a God who wants to bless you. There is a God that wants to take care of you. There is a God who wants to give you things. That's who God is. But what God does not want is for your things to have you. Let me say that again. God is not opposed to us having nice things. He just doesn't want our things to have us. Folks, this was the problem with this rich guy that came up to Jesus. The problem was this guy's heart because the things had him. And it's so easy for me, maybe for you too, for the things around me that I possess to control me. And the story says that the man actually went away sad because he had great wealth and he was unwilling to give it away. He was unwilling to make God number one in his life. Jesus also said these words. He said this. He said, how hard is it for the whom? What's it say? The The rich, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is much easier for a camel. Humpity hump. Okay, it's much easier for a camel to enter the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The good news is, is that you're rich. The bad news is that you're rich. And this is a tremendous spiritual disadvantage for me and for you as well. So let me share with you kind of three challenges real quickly of what it means of being a rich person. What are the challenges to being rich? So I'm talking to all you rich people, all you in the balcony, you rich people up there, all of you down here, you rich people, everyone on the stream, rich people. 
Here's the first thing for rich people that's a challenge. It's harder for you to depend on God. It's harder for me to depend upon God. Folks, if you've ever been to a developing country before, what you'll find is is that people who are the poorest of the poor in our world, the only thing that they have is God, and everything is dependent upon Him. Everything. And so when I went to India and saw the poorest of the poor, that was all they had. They just had God. And what you found in these folks, many of them, that there was a sense of peace And there was a sense of security, even though they had absolutely nothing. And I actually started becoming a little jealous, and many other people do too, when they go to a developing country. Because we have so much, and yet so many of us are not very peace-filled. We don't feel very secure. You might think of the Lord's Prayer. One day Jesus is teaching the disciples how to pray, and he's teaching us how to pray. And part of the prayer, he says this, he says, when you pray, pray like this, give us today, if you know it, give us today our what? Daily bread. Now, the problem is, is that many of us have never really sincerely prayed that because we have tons of bread. We have tons of stuff in our cabinets. We don't sincerely ever think about praying for our daily bread because we have so much that we have. You see, it's harder when you're rich to depend upon God. And it's a tremendous spiritual disadvantage. Here's the second challenge of being rich, and it's this. It distracts us from our true priorities. It distracts us from our true priorities. If you're a follower of Jesus, and right now I'm just talking to those of you that are Christians. So those of you that aren't Christians, you can count the tile, you know, do whatever you want. Just take... A couple minutes here, I'm talking to the Christians. Most of you would say that worshiping God weekly with other people is a priority. Like it's a priority to worship with other believers. As I often say, that if you're in Muncie, then be at church. If you're out of town, you're not feeling well, that's fine. But if you're here in Muncie, you should be at church. And for those of you that are parents... I want you to know the only way that your kids will ever get to church is if you drive them. Like they can't drive themselves. Now, some of them want to drive themselves, but don't let them do that. That would not be wise. But the only way they're ever going to get here is if you drive them. The problem is, is that for some of us, we are so rich that we barely come maybe once a month. Why? Why is that? Because we have what I call rich people distractions. Some of you have your kids in so many activities that you rarely are ever able to be here. I get it. We're challenged with one of our kids is in travel sports. And so we have to make some really hard decisions sometimes of saying, nope, you're not going to do that. You're actually going to be in church. But dad, I have a game this afternoon. Well, you can come to church in the morning and you can be in your game in the afternoon. But... You're going to be here. And for some of you, what your challenge with your kids is, is they start complaining. I don't want to get up. I don't want to get out of bed. No, don't make me go. I just don't want to get out of bed. And some of you are like, I'm not, you're not talking about my kids. You're talking about my spouse right now. Like, it takes a lot to kind of get them going. You know, like, 
in the morning. And, and you hear these complaints. And why is that? Because we have rich people distractions. Some of you are like, hey, I want to have my family all together and have a family meal together. And I don't want there to be avoidance with my kids. And why can't you do that? Because they're in so many activities, you can never sit down and eat together. You see, folks, our wealth is a blessing, but it's also a curse, and it can distract us from the true priorities in life. Here's the last challenge of being rich, and it's this. We need to understand that we have a greater responsibility. That you and I have a greater responsibility than the 5 billion people who live in the developing world. Jesus put it this way. He said these words, To whom much is given, much is required. To whom much is given, much is required. Who is Jesus saying this to? Jesus is saying this to you, and Jesus is saying this to me. He's saying it to the rich people. Much is required from us. And the problem is, is that we have the bad news. Because a lot of us, we don't think about much being required of us. And so what happens is we just consume and consume and consume everything for ourselves. Our three favorite people. And do you know who your three favorite people in the world is? Me, myself, and I. Those are your three favorite people when it comes to those of us who are rich. And God says, command those rich people to be rich in good deeds and generosity and being willing to share. Then they will lay up treasures for themselves and they will have a life that is truly life. Several years ago, as a church, we decided we wanted to invest in people who were poor or struggling in poverty. And so we created a ministry called the Community Basket. We looked around and what we found is that there were tons of places that were providing food. um, But there were very few places that provided anything that food stamps did not provide for. And so uh, the Community Basket basically is a place where you can get hygiene items or cleaning supplies, five of them that you come in. And when we first started it, we were amazed at the line of people that would come through our ministry center and hundreds and hundreds of people every single month would come and they would get their fight items. And one particular day, uh, I was volunteering and serving and I was reaching out, helping this uh, young woman who worked at Max full time. You know what Max is, right? It's where the best biscuits and gravy is in town, right? Like, you want biscuits and gravy? Some of you are like, could you hurry this up? I'm a rich person. I need to go eat. Uh, No, I get it. I get it. But she worked at Max full time, and I helped her with her five items. And as she was getting ready to leave, she didn't know I was the pastor. She said, please tell anyone in the church, thank you so very much for doing this, because I couldn't make it to the end of the month if you guys didn't do this. And when she told that to me, I was moved to a point. The reason why that happens is because of you guys. Your generosity, your willing to share is helping 
young people who are working full-time jobs in a service industry to make it to the end of the month. When COVID came and it hit, there was maybe a temptation for many churches to look at their different ministry plans and say, we're going to pull back. We're actually not going to do certain things. And we could have done that with the community basket. We could have held back resources. We could have saved for a rainy day. We could have said, no, we're not going to do that. Nope, that's not what we did. We said we're going to be generous and more generous with people, and we are going to live a life that is truly life. And the problem was we wanted to keep everyone safe, and so we had to change the process, and we created a drive through It's like a drive through at a fast food. Now it's drive through through the community basket. And on Main Street, they literally line up on the times that we do it. They line up all the way down Main Street. People are getting mad because they have to go through the other side. And, and, and we're doing all of this. And this year, folks, we're going to help over 3,000 people. And we're going to give out 25,000 different items because of your generosity, because of your giving. Yeah, it's something you should celebrate. And it's because of your giving, your generosity, that it happens. Every second Saturday, we do something called Serve Fest. And what that is, is we basically go into the community. We show God's love in practical ways to people who are working. And uh, we do this to show love. And part of this is we go to the mall and on McGalliard to the different stores that are there, and we pass out cookies and simply let people know, hey, uh, thanks for working us and that uh, God loves you. And so we do that, and we found out with healthcare workers over the past two years. They were just kind of real excited, let's take care of our healthcare workers for the first two months. And then everybody was like, forget them. And so we adopted uh, three different clinics, and we just started giving cookies, letting them know that we care for them. Well, yesterday, uh, our family went and we served at uh, Surfest. And uh, I was walking up to one of the businesses. I had some cookies in my hand when all of a sudden a lady runs out the door. She's like, you're the cookie people. We're like, yeah, we're the cookie people. And they're like, oh, I just am so glad you came and you gave those cookies to us when no one else was thanking us. And I watch you guys on the stream all the time. And like, you're the pastor, right? I'm like, I didn't know this lady. I'm like, yeah. And then all of a sudden she just gave me this great big hug. She's like hugging me. So if you need hugs, Surf Surfest is a great place to be a part of that. We walked into another business. We're passing out these cookies yesterday. And I walked up to the lady at the register and I said, hey, we want to bless you. Uh, our church wants to show you God's love. And uh, thank you for uh, working for our community. She's like, well, I don't know if I can do this. I've got to talk to my manager. I said, that's okay. We'd been to this store before. She went back to her manager and she said, uh, can we do this? She's like, oh, yeah, that's the Jesus cookie people. And uh, all of a sudden we started passing them out. And then I had to, like, give them a little hard time. And I go, did you know Jesus actually made these cookies? And I'm not kidding you. There was one of the people behind the counter. They're like, Really? Now, I don't even know if they know who Jesus is, but they think Jesus made the cookies. And in some ways, uh, he actually did. Now, why do we do this? 
Because this is what we believe since the very beginning, that small things done with great love will change the world. Small things done with great love will change our community. We just created a brand new outreach team called the DOT team. And DOT stands for the Downtown Outreach Team. The Downtown Outreach Team. And what this team is doing, they're getting together right now to figure out how they can reach out to downtown businesses and the arts community to show God's love in a practical way. And in that little connect card that you have, if you're like, man, I'd like to be a part of that. I'd like to help out with that. There's a little blue box in the upper right-hand corner of your connect card, or you can do it on the stream as well. There's a little blue box. Just check it. It doesn't commit you to anything to be like, oh, I got to do this every single Saturday. No. We're just kind of getting people together of how we can reach out to the downtown because we're downtown. And we want to help the arts community to encourage them as well. Folks, as a church, we are full of rich people. And what are we going to do? Well, we're going to do what Paul kind of challenged us to do. We are going to invest in our community. We are going to love people into a relationship with Jesus Christ by investing in them regularly. And when we do this, people are going to come up to us and they're going to ask, well, why are you doing this? And what we're going to tell them is, is we're doing this because we've been blessed by God. We're not better. We're not smarter. We've just been blessed by God with more than we actually need. Because Paul said this. He said, command those rich people in this present world not to be arrogant, but command them to do good deeds, to be generous, to be willing to share. And when they do, they will actually store up treasures in heaven, in the next world, and they will experience a life That is truly life. So this week, week, folks, I want to encourage you to be rich in what matters most. Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your presence in this place. And thank you, God, for the many blessings that you pour into each of our lives. Thank you, God, that in comparison to the rest of the world, we are rich. And today I want to ask those of you right now who are Christians, are you ready to be rich in what matters most? Are you ready to say, Jesus, I really do want you to control my life, all of my life. I'm trusting you with everything, even the possessions you give me. I'm trusting you. Are you ready to be rich in what matters most? And so with every eye closed, no one looking around, if you're like, that's me, I want to be rich in what matters most, Chris, would you just raise your hand? 
For those of you that are on the stream, that what you might do is just type in right now, I want to be rich in what matters most. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for each hand that is raised. Help them, God, to make a shift today to be able to recognize that they really can be rich in what matters most. I pray that you would bless them beyond their wildest imagination. I pray, God, that the greatest desires that they have, that you would honor them with those and that, God, they would be good at being rich. Help them to be good at all times, God, to be generous, to be willing to make a difference, to be able to give themselves away so that you would be honored with their lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can put your hand down. Now, uh, some of you uh, are here today, and the reality is this. Your stuff has become your God. Some of you on the stream right now, your stuff has become your God. And you've thought about it today. You're like, man, that's all going to wear out. That's going to rust out. It's not going to last. And so maybe today you're like, I need to give my life. I need to invest in something that's bigger than me, not my stuff. And I do want to be rich in what matters most. I want to be rich in God. I want God in my life. But maybe for some of you, you're sitting there and you're like, well, I just don't think I'm good enough. I mean, if you only knew some of the things that I've done, I'm just not good enough. Folks, I want you to know none of us are good enough. I'm not good enough. No human being is good enough to get to God. And so what happened is that 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came and then he went to a cross and he died and for your sins and mine who are not good enough. And three days later, he rose again so that you and I could have life and we could have life that is truly life. And today, if you're ready to say, I need him in my life, I want him in my life, I need his grace, I need his forgiveness, I want to give him my life, not my stuff anymore, but the source of life itself, God Almighty, then I'm going to invite you in a prayer. And it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but one that we pray in community. And so just closing your eyes, bowing your head, I invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I give my life to you. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I surrender to you. Be the Lord of my life. Because you died for me, I choose to live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, follow you, and serve you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today, I give it to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 